this tent There you are You're running for your life You're a shooting star And all the years No one knows Just how hard you worked But now it shows In one shining moment It's all on the line One shining Episode 264 with Coach Jared Hughes. He's the assistant women's basketball coach at Barry College in Rome, Georgia. And um, we're so excited to have him. He's going to share us some great insight um, into what he's current, currently doing right now. But, uh, Jared, I want you to kind of uh, introduce yourself, kind of give a – I always try to give intros and so forth to coaches, but I always like the coaches to kind of – talk about themselves. So coach, uh, hey, really talk about what you're doing and kind of kind of introduce us to what you're going to be talking about in the podcast. Well, thanks first and foremost, Kevin, for having me on. I, I've kind of been with you uh, from the beginning, a uh, big, big fan of the podcast and what you and your guests have uh, been doing to grow the game. And I, much like yourself, am a basketball junkie. I have <laughs> uh, the unique privilege of really experiencing the entire basketball spectrum. I, I kind of cut my teeth at uh, the youth level, coaching uh, U6s, U10s, U12s uh, at the local youth level and having some success there uh, all the way up through middle school. Uh, spent my uh, first head coaching job at the varsity level at Rome High, um, instilled a, a winning tradition that had uh, kind of been a, a Rome had kind of been a powerhouse and fallen on some tough times for the last three or four years and through nobody's fault except you know great programs experience that sometimes uh, so got into the varsity level there uh, traveled to the metro Atlanta area at Woodstock High School had some success there uh, and then got me into college coaching uh, I've spent time here at Barry College and previously I was the head women's coach for the division two uh, Shorter University Lady Hawks. So really, Kev, kind of been uh, all over. And the topic that we're kind of going to discuss today that you and I uh, had mentioned was uh, instilling a winning mentality. Uh, because as you follow me along on my coaching journey, uh, we have taken over programs with either uh, fallen expectations or low expectations or sometimes no expectations. And we have really overachieved, whether that be in the win-loss column, but more importantly, just producing really good people uh, in the communities that we have, uh, that we're a part of. And that's, that's probably the thing that we're most proud of. And we've done that at several locations now, and we hope to uh, continue to do that. And most importantly, share it for others that can use it as a tool wherever they may be. And I love your career. I mean, you've done it at all levels, coach. And, I, and, and we were talking earlier about, um, you're even an elementary PE teacher. And I, and I told you before, I said, hey, we can do a whole podcast on that because that, that's my true love right there. Um, but talk about, and, and, and let's continue on with what I'm just saying with you, you were at um, the college level as an, you're at college level as an assistant, you're a head college coach and you're a head high school coach. So you know all the different levels. So you can really kind of give an interesting perspective on uh, the three different levels 
uh, that you have been. But I, I really want you now to kind of talk about who are your great mentors that have shaped your philosophy. Because I know you're a transformative coach. I know you're about more than just winning. Who are the key mentors that have shaped your philosophy? Well, several people. Um, Kevin Strickland uh, was the athletic director that hired me um, at, at Rome High. He, he taught me preparation, um, and he's the reason my teams play the way that they do. Um, funny story there. He may not – he'll probably listen to this. He, he won't remember this story, but I remember it every day. Uh, at the end of our banquet in year one, I was his assistant for four years. He was the head coach. Um, we got everybody's awards taken care of, and he, he just hugged my neck at the end, told me thank you for everything, and I thought I was the world's worst <laughs> assistant, which most of us typically do. Uh, you, you really can't be a great assistant until you've been a head coach because you, you just don't know any better. Um, and he said, you know, uh, that something I'll never forget. He said, you know, you're, you know you're the guy that's going to take my job one day. And sure enough, three years later, um, he stepped down to take on uh, administrative duties full time and uh, is, a, is a principal here in town now doing a great job at one of the finest high schools in town. And that stuck with me. Um, and he showed me what true hard work looks like. You know, at, at 22, 23, fresh out of college, I kind of, um, you know, I had it all figured out at that point, just like we all do. But then I, I thought I was a hard worker. And then I saw him on uh, Sundays and prep days and when there's an empty gym and he's still going hard. Um, I, I kind of developed that mentality as well, just because I had to. Uh, secondly, on the boys side of things was Milt Travis. He was a longtime boys coach. He's been at Buford. He's been at Stevens County at Model High School for 20 years. Uh, and he was the wrong boys coach when I was the girls coach. And he um, taught me relationships, which I think we'll, we'll discuss uh, in depth here shortly. Uh, Thomas Johnson, who I work for now, it taught me the college game and reinstilled my confidence in what we're trying to do. Uh, he is a longtime Division I men's coach for uh, East Tennessee State, UAB, uh, Middle Tennessee State, and uh, Samford. So he, he's been all over at the Division I level. And then I know your guy, uh, Gene Durden, who I think is a mentor <laughs> to all of us. Uh, there's, there's not a time that you can't call Gene and him get back to you within 24 hours and just just reassure you or just give kind words. Uh, he treats me like I'm the coach of a Division One powerhouse when all I do is bug him and try to make myself better. Uh, and he is just a, a masterful teacher of the game. Uh, and then you know this, this, this new crop, uh, yourself included, uh, and then people that just provide resources because. I have I've never claimed to be the smartest person in the room, but I am without a doubt the best thief going. Uh, I, I try to pick and choose uh, what I like from everybody and then just try to develop and adapt to, to what fits my uh, situation. But your, your podcast is excellent. Uh, Matt Smith does a really good job also here in Georgia. I enjoy his stuff as well. I know you've been on there a couple of times, but really just uh, – you know, picking everything that you can and, and being a, a lifelong learner and, and developing whatever your philosophy might be. Coach, what's the, um, <clears throat> I think what the hardest thing for coaches to do is, is to really assimilate, um, you know, your philosophy. It's like, you know, there's so many great ideas out there. What was it in your career when you said, okay, I really believe in this type of philosophy and so forth? Well, I think you, you have 
whatever you think is in line to help you win ball games as a young coach, because at that point, you know, as, as a player, you, you want to win. You want to win more than you lose. You want to win everything that's in front of you. And then as an adult, you kind of develop a newer mentality to realize the responsibility you have to produce good people. Uh, you are a major factor in somebody's life. Uh, and really, it was kind of a double whammy for me to, to let me examine that. Number one was taking uh, a really bad job at, at Shorter University. It was statistically and reputation-wise one of the worst jobs in America. So I, I, I dropped all of the win-loss mentality right then and there. But I, I took the job. Nobody lied to me about what the expectation was. Uh, and I took the job because I thought I could make change. And Rome is actually my hometown. So I was a very young Division II NCAA basketball coach, and I didn't have to move my family across the country to make that happen. So I, I took that as God's blessing to allow me to make change where change needed to occur. Uh, and then the second part of that is becoming a father. Um, I, I think that put things into a different perspective of, you know, basketball is still very, very important to me, but it's not my entire life and nor should it have been. And I got away from, and this is going to sound a little bit uh, off than, than, than what it should, because most coaches, you know, live, breathe and die basketball. And I still do. But it's also not my identity anymore. Um, I, I, I think that when I first started and uh, didn't know any better, everybody associated me with basketball. And now hopefully I, I'm, I'm being more associated with producing good people, uh, being a good representation of a father, of a husband, and, and just of a good man who happens to coach basketball. Um, so once I've changed my philosophy there, I've become more comfortable, I've become more confident, and I think our results – both in the win-loss column and just overall in life have, have been successful because of it. Balance, right? Right, Jared? I mean, that's so hard. I mean, I'm writing, I mean, you know, we're right, ready to get started in our season and so forth. The hours spent preparation-wise is crazy. How do you balance that? Well, I mean, kind of continue on what you're saying because, man, it, it's tough, particularly if you have a family. I have a wife. I have, you know, kids, and I have – pets and I have I have a life too but how do you balance all that uh it's it's tough and you the the key thing is having an understanding family because that that makes it um a lot easier my wife uh coached with me for several years um on my bench that's not how we met we met previously but uh we had a positive become of that because we had parents and we didn't we didn't anticipate this nor was it our intention but we we've had parents and kids come up to us after they've played for us and thank us not for the basketball side of things but for the fact that we were a husband and wife team and they got to see what a what a good family dynamic looks like which right. you know, some, some of our kids uh, depending on where you are may not have that you know the family dynamic is changing uh, across the country and they got to see how a husband and wife interact we don't get along all uh, the time but we do treat each other with respect and that you know corresponded with what a team your, your team's not going to get along from November until March that's just we coach girls basketball Kevin that's not going to happen <laughs> so you exactly to you know get your get through your peaks and valleys much like a marriage so that was really cool that that kind of translated to basketball um, so involving 
uh, your family in, uh, you know, maybe not bringing your wife on the staff, if that's not a possibility, or she may not want any part of that. But my, my son, he's almost two now. He's um, the light of my girl's eyes on the team. They, they adore him. They think he's the, the coolest thing ever. So uh, just making him a part of the team. I think where coaches struggle is they make it two separate entities, you know, right. your, um, your work life and your personal life. Well, they're always going to overlap. So why, why run from that? Why hide that? Uh, you know, make your family a part of that professional life. And let's get right into now developing that winning program organization, Jared. Um, can you see it on the screen here? Yes, sir. I, I do. And, and I love the acronym, and I think we've all stolen stuff, like you said. What's important now? I want you to kind of go into that so the coaches can understand really the, what's, the, what's the true meaning of winning. <laughs> yes. Uh, you know, we, we as coaches want to go, you know, 20 wins at the high school level, 30 wins, whatever it may be at the, high, at the college level, and really set the tone. But, you know, we, we forget that winning is a result. But, you know, I know it's cliche, but it's not the process. And I, as I've gotten older and more organized, um, I, I've, I've come to realize that. But really, we, we try to approach life and everything in our program with a winning mentality. W-I-N stands for what's important now. Uh, that acronym is, is borrowed from Lou Holtz, uh, the football coach. And everything yeah. for us starts with our four core values. Um, we call it show me that you care. And, you know, when people talk about their core values, you'll, you'll have football teams with, with 10 or 12 listed. I think you should shorten it, uh, you know, no more than five. And we do four. Um, it's, you know, it's catchy. They can identify it. And our show me that you care is our program identity. And it's uh, commitment, accountability, respect, and energy. Um, and we always say that it's useless if it's just a poster. Uh, or a t-shirt, your core values should translate, number one, beyond 94 feet. And number two, after they're instilled, they shouldn't just go on a poster in your locker room. They should be reevaluated and reabsorbed uh, every couple of days. Um, you know, and that's that's something that you can attest to. We, we got from Gene. Uh, right. Gene's culture is not about what they do because they're, they're more simple than people want to give them credit for. Um, they're very, very simple, but everything that they do goes back to those core values that he's had for many, many years. Uh, so ours, again, are commitment, accountability, respect, and energy. And if you notice, all of those are controllable factors. Uh, it doesn't include uh, making a shot. It doesn't include the, the one of those days where you can't throw it in the ocean and there's nothing you can do about it because even the best players have those. But you can always choose to be committed. You can always hold yourself and others accountable. You're always going to be respectful in our program, and you can always choose to bring energy no matter if you're sick, um, if things aren't going your way. So those are the four most important things, and that kind of translates to uh, what you've shown on the screen here, our winning mentality. And we, we kind of, uh, for this presentation, broke it down to uh, pre-game events, in-game events, post-game uh, translations, and also on the bench. So talking about pre-game, um, Really, it's what what would somebody say about your team if all they saw were the first 30 minutes of the game or practice? If they saw you during warm-ups, what would they say about you? Uh, they, they, you know, would they think that you've got a really good shot of winning that game? Would they think that you have good character kids? 
And that's kind of what we start with pregame. Um, you know, we have a sitting arrangement in the huddle, and I'm probably going to get some flack for this or kind of be an overkill, but it works for us, and it's not going to be for everybody. We have a sitting arrangement in the huddle, uh, if nothing more, just for organization because, you know, as a, as a high school or college coach, those timeouts are what they are. You don't get any extra time, so I don't want to be looking for you uh, when we're trying to get the play sure. design in or, you know, correct it. So we do have a sitting arrangement. Eye contact is important for us. Uh, we have a national anthem routine. You know, I leave that up for the girls, and, but it, it's uniform, if nothing else. We, we do everything uh, the same way. Our pregame routine is focused and intense. And, of course, that's another Buford thing from, from Gene Durden. They have a, basically sure. a 45-minute practice during, during warm-ups. <laughs> exactly. Uh, but it, it works for them. Um, and then on the expectation is that we're, we're on the floor 60 minutes at the college level, at least. I know high school, you're, you're very limited. Uh, but they, the girls know what the expectation is. And for our pregame routine, we may have eight things that we're attempting to do. And we'll have eight players that are designated to get us into that. Mm -hmm. um, have, having your whole team try to remember – Everything, I'll be quite honest with you, Kevin, there's going to be days when I don't remember what comes next on some sort of routine. However, sure. I'll know my job. And if I'm player A and my job is to get us into the layup line at 15 minutes, then, I know, then I'll know that I'll do that job to the best of my ability. So that kind of helps us with accountability. Uh, the respect side of things, I think, is a no-brainer if you're wanting to correct um, a program that has fallen on hard times. We, we talk about treating the custodians, hotel workers, and bus drivers uh, like they're the CEO of a company that you want to work for one day. Uh, and that's something that we get a lot of credit for um, from travel companies, uh, restaurants. You know, we, we wave and say thank you as we leave. We um, leave our locker rooms spotless. And I just think that deals with our respect uh, core value. And then moving into... In games, uh, really, it's just energy. Um, you know, we, we have a 3-6-12 mentality is what we call it. Uh, you've got three seconds to pick up a teammate. If something goes wrong, a foul or charge, you've got six seconds to run to me or the coaching staff, and you've got 12 seconds to get off the floor at halftime. We, we don't do a yeah. lot of walking, uh, picking our nose, or whatever the case may be. Sure. We just think that sends the message that we're ready to play, and uh, we're at least giving our best effort come win or lose. Um, yeah. I love how you define that too. I love that we're, we're we do we have a five second rule, but I love how you define it even more with how long it takes to run off the floor. It doesn't seem important, but it's that detail I think really adds to your credibility. Yeah, we, we just and we'll, we'll talk about it a little later. We don't like leaving things to to guess or to chance. Mm -hmm. So we, we really do like to define everything. It eliminates a lot of headaches. Um, so the, the further you break it down, you don't want it to be overkill, but the further you break it down, the easier it is for, in my opinion, the players to comprehend. So great, great sure. point. Um, when we talk about uh, in game, you know, we talk about, you know, being able to defend, shoot, rebound, you know, that's just basketball. There's nothing there and, and bringing energy. Um, and if you want to play for us, you have to be up. So our, our three things are you got to run, you got to shoot and you got to defend slash rebound. And if you can do two of those, you can play a good bit. If you can do all three, then you are difficult to replace. And that is our player goal. 
we want to make you difficult to replace. If, if you're wanting to play, make, make coach look like an idiot for taking you out. Sure. Um, and that, that has to do with our commitment um, core value because that does not come easy for most players. You really have to work at it. You've got to do the extra hours and, and try to better yourself. But uh, our post game is really very short and sweet. And I've gotten better at this as I've gotten older. Forget about a loss, but be hurt by it. Um, I used to be the guy that even at the high school level, if, if we had lost a close one, man, that, that bus ride home was just miserable. Um, but I've gotten better, especially at the college level, because there's just more film uh, available and it's, there's better breakdowns that you can still see a lot of positives, even in a, in a five point or loss. Um, so, you know, we're going to forget about that loss. Uh, the next day, but we're going to be hurt by it that night, if that makes sense. So, you know, really just that next play mentality that's that's becoming uh, prevalent with everybody and, and, and pushing through. And then the last thing, I, I've seen film of some of your teams play. I know you'll agree with me on these things. The bench um, is often overlooked, but I think it is vital not only to my program, and I know for yours too, Kevin, but I think it's today's generation. I, I think you do a great job of doing things for your program through social media and, and hype stuff type stuff, because that's today's generation. Why, why are we going to run from that? Sure. Um, you know, we're, our job is to put people in situations to be successful, but we got to have the players to do it. So they're, I've, my win-loss record, people ask me that all the time. I really couldn't tell you because my, my wins are zero. I, I, I don't win any of these ball games. The players do. So I'm trying to develop that program, and I know you are as well, that is player-centered because they're the important piece. Uh, I am a piece, but they're the important piece. And my most important thing about uh, bench behavior we have a program that we started called, and this is for game benches and practice as well. We call them energy engines uh, mm -hmm. because, you know, at college level, you, you have a lot of 530, 6 a.m. practices. And it's, 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 I'm a morning person, but it's hard to wake up sometimes, especially in the, you know, the dog days of February and basketball season, I guess you would say. But we designate a energy engine for that day, that practice, that game. And it's that person's responsibility that if the energy dips below an acceptable level, they've got to get it back up through whatever means necessary, whether that be a fist bump, hand clappings on the bench, you know, starting a chance of defense, whatever the case is. Uh, but there is a consequence for that. It's, it's a heavy responsibility in our program. If it falls below where it should be or what the coaching staff feels is acceptable or what our standard is, uh, the team gets a 16 for letting it fall that way. And unfortunately, the energy engine has to do one in front of the team as well because it was their responsibility for that day. So we love uh, our energy engines. It's really been a positive for our, our, pra our practices at Shorter uh, over the last two seasons. And then uh, we also, of course, give uh, Hawk cards, which are once you do an exceptional job, we, we, we don't reward the minimal. Uh, I don't believe in that. But if you're an exceptional uh, energy player, or you just went above and beyond, then we give out Hawk cards, uh, which are everybody's favorite, that get out of jail free card, uh, that get out of a sprint for your, uh, for your behavior. So uh, we, we've developed a little bit of a black market with those things and, and kids will hoard them and, and, and get them up. So uh, the higher your account is on the Hawk cards, the better, the better off you're, uh, you're doing. Sure. <laughs> 
Oh, I love that, Coach. And I, I love the term, you know, we – we have a term, and I know if you heard it before, it's, it's energy vampires. Um, and we, we try to really avoid that. I love the energy engine. I love how it, uh, the kids will take accountability for that um, and consequences for not delivering that energy. Yeah, I mean, we do feel like the, the energy in the bench is very important because uh, we always say this, it's always easy to maintain bench energy with an eight-point lead. Like, look at those benches, uh, <laughs> you know, they're, they're happy, they're excited. So what happens to your kids when the wheels fall off for a two-minute stretch? Because, you know, basketball is not a game of runs. Basketball is a game of multiple runs. Right. So it's a roller coaster ride for 32 minutes or 40 minutes, whatever your case is, and you're going to need somebody to, to kind of – conduct it and, and steer the course and fire up the engine. So we, we make it a um, we, we make it a, a very high priority for our practices and that translates into games as well. What do you think? Because um, everybody has different personalities, Jared. You know what I'm saying? It's like some kids are very enthusiastic. Some kids are just very quiet, but they get the job done. What's your philosophy on that? How do you motivate? Because sometimes kids who, who try to do a lot of talking, it distracts them. It does, and we have that at um, at Barry currently. We're we're kind of in search for our vocal leaders. We we have nothing but great kids on our team, um, and when you look at it as do these kids do the right thing, we've got good leaders. However, we just don't have those vocal leaders that you know teams need. So what we're probably going to have to do, and what teams I would recommend teams do in that case is attack it with a baby step. You got to find out who you think or who you need your vocal leader to be and um, really try to find out one, maybe two people that they're comfortable with. And then they can lead that small group because they won't hide from that as much as hiding from the whole team of 12 to 15, if that makes sense. So, you know, you want to make them as comfortable as you can while also promoting uncomfortability, <laughs> if, that, if that translates. But uh, really, we appreciate kids. I was, I was that kid. I, I'm much more vocal now as a coach than I was as a player. Uh, I was just the kid that did, that tried really, really hard, dove on the floor, and, but I, I wasn't barking trying to get other people to do it. Sure. I was just trying to do my job. So, there, you've got to appreciate those types of kids, but also try to promote them to be slightly uncomfortable without being overwhelmed as well. Yeah, and we all we always have players too that they might just they have the you have to bark the right commands. You know what I'm saying? It's like you have to how to know how to lead people because sometimes just by yelling, "Hey, you need to do this," um, to me is a distraction as a coach. Um, we try to teach our kids the proper language to utilize in practice, correct? Correct. Do, and there's two things that go along with that. Uh, number one is do you do what you're correcting? Because you lose a little credibility if you're barking like we're talking about and you don't do those things either. Mm -hmm. uh, so one of the th reasons I feel like I have such a great relationship with my players is because they appreciate how hard I work. Uh, we're, I'm always the first one in the building, whether it's basketball season or not. I'm fighting with the janitor to be the last one to leave. And uh, they, that kind of translates to them. So whatever I say has some credibility. They, they, there's an automat, automatic feel 
that he cares about us and that he is trying to better us. And that can translate through teammates as well. If you're doing all the things that you're asking me to do, then I, I really have no choice but to fall in to line. Uh, and then the second thing is what you were talking about, the language in which you do it. Uh, nobody wants to be told you're wrong without a solution to fix it. Um, right. So, you know, providing that feedback of, hey, that's not how we do things is sometimes where it ends. But the most important thing is, hey, that's not how we do things. Here's how we fix it. Uh, and that comes from a coaching aspect. Those are the best teachers. Uh, but also players need to learn that as well. I, th I think that's a great point by you. Jared, let's get into some practice stuff because I, I, I love practice. Matter of fact, I have practice in a, in a little while, so I want you to sharpen my brain a little bit. That's why I'm talking to you, man, and I try to get better. Um, I, one thing that I've changed this year was um, if, we, if we're if we making – let's say we're doing a drill. I like to do like a drill within a drill. What I mean by that is we call these skinnies. Like let's say we're doing a uh, – we're working on our team offense. We're doing a breakdown drill. And we're working on, you know, screening or whatever. And we see that, you know, the players are not cutting very well. Or like yesterday, they were not catching the ball well. What we'll do is we'll do like a one-minute passing and catching drill. Just a reminder that, hey, this is what we're looking for. And then go back to the drill. What's your philosophy on that? Oh, I, I think that's, that's great. Um, I've never been – I don't think it's a great idea to be a victim to your practice plan. Um, you've got to make – a practice plan is an outline, um, and I've never been one to do the same four or five drills every time uh, because that gets monotonous and boring. And then, kind of like what you're saying, sometimes, well, let's be honest, a lot of times it's not going to go according to plan. So right. you've got to, if you're incorporating four or five concepts into a great drill, then it is a great drill because you're you're mass you know mass producing a good player with with different aspects, but what key aspect are we missing? Can they not catch the ball? Is it a passing and catching kind of thing? Well, then I'm, I'm with you. I think we need to incorporate that. Uh, I know um, Molly Miller at Grand Canyon University does that, and I, mm -hmm. I think uh, she does a really good job of it. The, the, I think the winningest coach percentage-wise in NCAA, so <laughs> who am I to tell her uh, to do something? Uh -huh. that? So Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I did steal that from her, though, by the way. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, I mean, hey, hey. I, I got to listen to a lot of podcasts, man. So I, I'm constantly stealing stuff all the time. I really love that idea, though. And we have incorporated that into our practices, I think, really effectively. It's really been a difference maker. Well, it's all about teaching. And, you know, the skinnies that you're talking about are teaching very slim and minute concepts. And those are the little things that are going to help you later on in the season. It, 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 you know, you'll get a lucky bounce or a, or a good shot every now and then. But if you can't pass and catch, kind of like you're saying, none, none of that matters. It doesn't matter what the X's and O's look like. So I, I'm with you. I think that's a great concept for practices. Jared, let's go on to your next topic on the, which topic do you want to kind of transition right into right now? Well, since we're kind of talking about practice, I'd love to talk about um, how we organize our practice and how we kind of track things. Um, because I think that's what has helped us through instilling all of these you know winning mentality type things is because it's all talk unless there's no data to show it so we track almost everything at practice whether it be time drill score drill uh, and it just makes practices more exciting uh, it gives us feedback 
on who's doing what and who's doing well because I've never really been a fan of, oh, that was a great practice today. Or on the flip side, that was a terrible practice today. The real question is why? Why was it a good practice? Why was it a bad practice? So we score everything. We have a win chart uh, in practice. So it, it goes through all the things that we find important. Deflections, chart, we're big on charges. Uh, everywhere I've been, we've led the conference or the region in charges um, and, and usually set a charge record somewhere along the way. Uh, every drill is, like I said, timed or scored. Um, it may or may not have a consequence, but we just want that competitive mentality. Hi, this is Matt from Court Cart. The Court Cart is a great way to store your basketballs and is handy at practice. You can lock up 24 men's or 30 women's basketballs with our zippered top. The cart is sturdy and easy to wheel around the court. The cart is $269 with free shipping. The court board is a whiteboard that attaches to the cart so you can draw plays up on the court. The court cart court board package is $528 with free shipping. You can find out more information on courtcart.com. Coaches, I'd like to welcome our new Championship Vision podcast sponsor, Huddle Assist. The best basketball coaches are relying on data more than ever. That's why coaches love Huddle Assist. With Assist, you get full game breakdowns, including complete team and player stats in less than 24 hours. Your stats are ready when you need them. And Assist is more than just the box score. Use interactive reports like shot charts and advanced stats like lineup data, VPS, and of course, effective field goal percentage to coach smarter. Plus, Assist brings your stats to life. Every stat is marked on the video at the moment it happened. See every shot, turnover, rebound, and much more with just a few clicks. Want to see how Huddle Assist is elevating basketball? Visit huddle.com slash assist. That's huddle.com slash assist to learn more. Huddle will also be at the Legends at the Grove Clinic on September 12th at Walnut Grove High School in Loganville, Georgia. Come stop by our table to chat and see what we have to offer. Beating the clock is is a skill. Sure. Uh, and, you know, that gets the most out of our players. Uh, I have, over the last year, we started using Matt Howard's uh, practice tracker, which is a great tool. Uh, it tells you you know, that you're walking the walk instead of talking the talk, because we can, you and I can discuss well, what you do in practice, but when you have to enter that data into his source, it shows you, well, you spent 20% of the practice on defense, 80% on free throws. That's why your free throw percentage was, you know, 85%, you know, whatever the case is. Right. Um, during games, we also track things, and I, I, I'm a semi-system guy, kind of like you are, uh, so we, we have our team goals, you know, shooting a certain percentage, getting up the threes, offensive board percentage, all that stuff. Yeah. Uh, but what's even more important to us are, are what we call our sweet 16s. And so we have six team goals for every game. And for every goal that's not met, you have to run a timed 16 at the next practice. So you, you've got a lot of responsibility to take care of business during that game. And it has nothing to do with a win or a loss because you know, as well as I do, you've, you've been doing this far longer than I have. You, most of the best games that I've coached, I've lost. I don't know if you've been the same way, mm -hmm. but I remember coaching a great game and losing by four points. 
Right. Uh, and then there are some games where we win by 15. We, we just may be more talented than the other team. I don't feel like I coached a great game. So uh, our sweet 16s are not about wins and losses. Uh, we have uh, things that are important to us. A first quarter charge, because we feel that that swings momentum our way. Uh, two overall charges is our game goal. And like I said, I've, I've set single school charge records at three different schools that we've been to. So we really hammer that in. Uh, win a 50 hey, Jared, can I interrupt real quick? Um, how do you, what's your process on, obviously you emphasize it, but, but what do you guys do to make you so good at it? I mean, you can drill it all you want, but how do you guys get it to, to do it in the games? We, we do a lot during preseason of sacrificing your body type stuff. We, it's been my experience where if we do that in October and early November, you don't have to do it through November through February when you don't want to get anybody hurt. Um, right. So we, we emphasize it um, enough. And the fact that we play a lot, especially here at Barry, uh, Thomas Johnson is one of the best pack line man-to-man uh, -man coaches in the, in the country. And one of the emphasis of that is taking that backside charge. So a lot of it has to do with what kind of defense you're imploring to uh, – for your team. So we try to do that combination of things. We try to hit hammer it home early in October and November. And I'll be, I, I'm still a, a little bit of a young buck. So one of the things that I've, I think have helped me is I'll do those drills with them. The things that I know they, they don't want to do um, naturally. I'll get out there. We, I, I stole the, the VCU hustle drill from Shaka smart while he was there. Uh, and it's basically uh, you know, a 35-year-old like me just basically flying all over the court. And once right. they see you're, you're going to do that, then they don't mind busting their bit back in. Um, right. And then the other part of that is teaching them how to do it safely because there is a right way to, to do that. Uh, and then the, the last thing is you just – you've got to kids – got to have kids that will buy into it and, and do the right thing. And uh, I've, I've been – nothing short of blessed in my career to do that. We've just had kids that will do whatever it takes to, to try to do the right thing. What are your, uh, what are your game goals coach each game? Is, do they stay the same or do they adjust? I know you said first quarter charge uh, two overall. What else do y'all have as your goals? Yeah, we, we pretty much, um, you know, we'll have a scout for individual goals, but our team goals are pretty, uh, standard throughout the year. You know, the first quarter charge, the two plus charges, uh, win a 50-50 ball in each quarter. Uh, that just tells me that you're getting after it because that has nothing to do with the score, whether you're up by 20, down by 20. Um, we're a big pressure defense team, uh, naturally. I, I, I'm in a pack line setting here at Barry, but naturally at Shorter, we were kind of system oriented. We really got after it and it helped us uh, when we were a little less talented than other places. So we emphasize the five or 10 second call. Um, that's one of our game goals is trying to get a 10 second call, five second call. And we, you know, those are very rare in, in basketball, but we, we got a good deal of them just because it's an emphasis that people don't um, really put on them. Free throw shooting. You can count over your coaching career, how many games are won and lost at the free throw stripe. Um, right. so we, our goal is 70% as a team um, and 80% gets you a bonus 16 taken away. So any, any 10% over that, uh, we take that away. And then the lastly, um, just for our aggressiveness, because we, we do like to shoot threes, but we don't want to take that as a, as a cop out. We want to get to the rim. Uh, we approach the Duke mentality from Mike Krzyzewski, 
take more free throws than your opponent. Um, we're not to that aggressiveness. His was um, make more make more free throws than your opponents take, but we're not to that point yet. So we just want to take more than our opponent, and we like our chances there. Uh, but those are pretty standard for us, uh, no matter what team I'm coaching, just because they're uh, – they translate well across the board, no matter the skill level of the team, the level of the team. So we, we really like those. Now those are winning stats right there. Um, yeah, and and it's interesting. Let's talk about a little bit about system. Um, because I have a friend, Matt Smith, you know Matt. Matt, this year at Gordon Lee, is going to his system. He's got, you know, he's got, he doesn't, he has a lot of kids that play hard. He doesn't have a lot of great players or great athletes, but, um, he feels like you know that that's the way to go to compete in this region. Um, what do you what do you recommend for coaches when they're trying to decide on philosophy? Um, I I just believe in what we do. It doesn't matter really the talent level. Sometimes I'll adjust it. I just believe that that's what I really feel comfortable in in coaching is an aggressive style. What's your philosophy on that? The the kids, the administrators, the community will see you as a phony if you're trying to do something that you're not comfortable with. So I'm, I'm with you. It's just always been my style. We've, uh, you know, when I was at Rome, we set a couple scoring records. We scored 100 points in a high school game, which was, uh, you know, unheard of at that, at that time for our, our community. Um, and then I, I can speak from experience at Shorter. Um, you know, I said Shorter was statistically and reputation-wise the worst job in America. They were last place in, in everything that we do. So my philosophy there was if we continue doing things the way other colleges do them we were going to get the same result uh so we had to do something drastically different and nobody preps for that style of play right. uh, so when even if you're a little short-handed you know our facilities were subpar we had three less scholarships than everybody else we were playing so it was not apples and apples. So by being different, we made everybody else prepare for us. And you can't prepare for that style of play in a two-day scout. Uh, whereas they're trying to do that, we had three months of preparation time with that conditioning, with that, uh, you know, that philosophy. So I think it really helped us just, if nothing else, by being different. Uh, you know, Matt's a great coach. So I think if he buys into that and teaches it with wholeheartedly, which I know he does in everything that he that he teaches, I think his kids will automatically buy into it. Number one, because he believes in it and he's the figurehead of the program. And number two is it's fun. So, you know, at a, a single A school like he is, if you're that different from everybody else and you're playing that amount of kids, man, I, I just I just see four you know, the last four minutes of the fourth quarter where everybody else is gassed and his kids are just conditioned and ready to go. So I think it's going to translate well for him. I'm excited to watch uh, Gordon Lee uh, do well this year. Yeah, I, just, I was texting him earlier. He's saying, uh, you know, we, we call ours run and stun. And uh, I was going, man, you guys are the run and stun too. You know, he says, no, 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 we're not, we're not running stun too, man. Uh, so he was taking a lot of pride in that because in the past year he's been – um, very matchup zone, very patient, and so forth. We've had so many discussions like, can you compete better playing more ball control? You know, the old, and I just think by playing aggressive, the fun factor comes in. And I think you can get more kids to buy in. Uh, you can actually win when you lose sometimes. 
I agree. I think the approach that we've had from October through February, our focuses have been on the system style, the high pressure, the full court, uh, both offense and defense. And, you know, second half of February and then early in March, you know, Gene will tell you this, as well as Thomas Johnson, uh, who I work for. In March, you, you got to guard somebody in the half court. Uh, and that's, that's what, you know, Durden at Buford is not a system guy, but they are as high pressure as high pressure gets. But in March, he's, he's you know, got more state championships than he has fingers at this point. But it's because they, they're able to guard three or four possessions in March. Um, so that's what I think is going to help Matt and, and coaches like him because the fun aspect is the system up-tempo type stuff. And the kids just naturally buy into that. And if your passion is in the half-court matchup zone type stuff, that's really going to help you come playoff time when the scouts are out, everybody knows what you're going to do, and you're going to have to stop somebody three possessions in a row to advance to the next round. So I think he's going to do well. Absolutely. And you can – now, Jared, you can – you can. I'm coaching kids. I have some good athletes, but I also have kids that – are not great, are not really athletic, but you can push kids to have that that strong effort to play in an aggressive style. I mean, you better really, I mean, but but a lot of people feel like if you don't have really athletic kids that you can't play. I disagree with that. I disagree wholeheartedly with that as well. I, I think you you can instill the the system to be different uh, with really good players because, you know, people think it's an athletic type defense. It's really, that's not the term that I would go to. I would go chaotic more than I would athleticism uh, because you can have mid-level players or even some subpar players. They're going to get you beat in the half court playing traditional defense. But if you're allowing them to make mistakes, but make them big in a, in a up-tempo pressure defense type situation, uh, they don't have to be in the right spot all the time if they're going full speed ahead. So I think it allows the room for error, uh, whereas in the half court, if, if something falls apart, uh, it it's can be really hard to scramble and make up for it. Um, so I, I agree with you. I, I don't think you have to have that athletic, you know, five studs out there. I, I had that at Rome. We were very, very talented. Uh, we were building towards that at Shorter, um, but my first year at Shorter, we did not. We were we were very short-handed. Uh, I inherited a back-to-back one-win team, and we did system just to be different and you know up up the tempo and up the stakes a little bit. And the kids had more fun. We were able to recruit that system and translate it in year two into into some good, really good success, and won the most conference games that Shorter had had in in, in uh, five seasons. So. Uh, it does work, and we still – that was just one recruiting class. We still didn't have the five-star stud athletes. We were a very small Christian school in, in Rome, Georgia, with a population of less than 1,000 students. So, you know, we, we weren't competing with the West Georgias and North Georgias of the world quite yet, even though we, we stole two wins from West Georgia. It's because we were different, and I think that the system was really good to us. Let's get right into your drills, Coach, before we go. I, I want to get um, – I, I just – I love innovative uh, drills and practice, or some people don't even call them drills. They call them games or challenges. But, hey, let's get right into the Lady Hawks drill checklist. Sure. Uh, you know, we divide it into categories. We, uh, we score individual 
uh, shooting drills. We score uh, workout drills when they come in privately with a coach. We score uh, team transition drills are really obviously our, our big thing because we get up and down the floor. Um, and then we, we score some things on the defensive side. Probably our, our go-tos are uh, the kids' favorite is the Larry Bird shooting drill. Uh, and basically that's a individual shooting drill with a rebounding partner. Uh, there's two minutes on the clock and you have to hit, it's, it's probably my favorite shooting drill too, as far as individuals go. Uh, but you've got to hit two in a row from each of the five spots, corner, wing, top, wing, and corner. And then you've got to hit five, uh, not in a row, but five in the top of the key. And, of course, if you make it in two minutes, you just keep going until whatever the high score is. So uh, if they beat the drill, that's a win for them. They're excited for that. And uh, But they, they want to get that high score. And uh, so, you know, the reason I like it, it's because everybody thinks they're Steph Curry with the first three that they make, but right. you're really <laughs> locked in if you have to make a couple in a row. So I we try to avoid the let's shoot one and all of a sudden we're we've got the green light. Uh, we we every, everybody can, as, as Coach Johnson says, you know every uh, a blind squirrel can find a nut every now and then. So we we don't want you to hit a three and then think that you know we're we're running double staggers for you. Uh, just <laughs> automatically. So if you can lock into a drill like Larry Bird and hit two in a row a couple of times, that means that you're focused and that you've got repetition in your shot and it's it's becoming mechanical. Um, you know, we're big on free throws, you know, just a common swish free throw drill is our big one there. We don't count uh, or we don't score. We count, but we don't score uh, makes. We only score swishes and you try to get to uh, 20 uh, before you get to minus uh, 20. So that's a good one for us. Um, stay positive is a really good individual drill that I got from Mike Neighbors, who's kind of the master of the team shooting drill, in my opinion. Uh, there's a shooter and a rebounder. You've got to make a paint touch and a three. Um, mm -hmm. And if you can do that, you get plus one. If you make one and miss one, you don't get any points. And if you miss both, you go minus one. And you go, uh, same shooter with a rebounder, same shooter the whole time, and you go until it's plus five or minus five. And it's also a great conditioning drill. Um, so you, you're not just doing pointless running back and forth because you really have to move but while also getting game-like shots. And the second part of that that we love is you can put your read and react dribble drive stuff. You can put some pick and roll. You can take the kind of shots that are going to be simulated in your offense. So we, we just love that drill. Uh, is one of our favorites. And then probably on the full court side of things, 5v5v5, mm -hmm. people call it different things. I, I know Coach uh, – I think Coach Acock with, with you just raves about that drill all the time where you just got three teams. Chaos. <laughs> battle it out. So, yeah. uh, you know, that you give them some structure, you give them some goals, you put a time on it, and those kids will really go to work. Um and, you know, depending on what kind of season it is or what time of the year it is, you know, you can split your five evenly, which we typically do. Um, or if you're prepping for a game, you may put a scout team out there versus your first team just so the first team gets some game reps together. Uh, but to make it competitive, sometimes we split three even teams and, you know, the best player on team A guards the best player on team B and they really get after it. Yeah, we um... – you know, speaking on that five on five on five, we have, we call it Celtic, and we do a lot of our instruction by that, whether it's full court or half court. So if we're putting in our half court offense, Jared, 
we'll have two teams at half court and one team with the ball and they'll run their set. Um, and then what they do is after every shot, they get into the press and then they kick it out to the next team who runs there. We, we feel like we can get more transition reps when you're working on half court. I think if everybody's trying to say, hey, how can you work on your half court offense, but still emphasize transition? How do you guys do it? Uh, kind of the same philosophy that that you do. We, we don't we limit um, five versus zero half court, you know, set type stuff. Now, I probably one of my coaching strengths is scoring the ball with a set. I, I, I study Brad Stevens and I try to steal as much stuff from other smarter people than me as much as I can. <laughs> but that's probably a strength of mine as far as managing the game is, is getting the best player of the ball and, and putting the ball in the hole. But we don't do that as much in practice simply because this is year 13 for me. That just doesn't happen as much as people would like to, to think. It's, it's more of that transition game that you're talking about. I would probably venture to say 60 to 70% of the game is just, you know, first seven, eight seconds of the shot clock, running up and down the floor and getting, getting the basket. So we, we try to emphasize that with all of our drills um and and try to correct that we do uh quick strike is another good one that i also stole yeah, from one, yeah. uh, coach neighbors where basically uh you run the shot clock and uh we, we put about we don't try to wear them out we put about four minutes on the game clock and then whenever they score however much time was left on the shot clock is the number of points that they get so you know five seconds off the shot clock 25 seconds left you get 25 points if you put the ball in the hole so uh, that teaches us how to get up the ball, get the ball up and down the floor uh, at a tremendous pace, and then uh, really just reemphasizing uh, the full court stuff. Just teaching along the way. We uh, we don't do a lot of five versus five, what you would call scrimmage. Everything has a rule or a purpose, so we don't throw them out there. And 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 this works for some teams. I'm not knocking it we just don't do well with that. Uh, we want to emphasize what our break lanes are. We do run a, you know, a Carolina numbered break, uh, but we run certain actions once we hit our spots. I think that's another strength of our program is the secondary break. Uh, we look very organized when things don't go according to plan in the first six seconds. So uh, that can be taught in the transition aspect of practice as well, kind of like you're saying. Yeah, there's so many different ways to do it, right? <laughs> you know, um, that's a hard. Tell me about this. The hardest thing to do is there's so much information out there. How do you kind of just kind of narrow your focus and just focus on the key thing? I always find that, like even now in my practicing, uh, in our practices now, it's like it's one or two things that are separating us. Um, like sometimes we focus on too much, don't we? We do, and I was very guilty of that early on, and we still are, uh, but just because you, you want to be so great at everything. <laughs> I know. Uh, but you've just <laughs> got to pick, though, that one thing, maybe two things you want to be great at, the two to three that you want to be really good at, and then when you organize and practice, you may have to pick one thing that you're going to be bad at, and you're not going to be able to correct it during that practice. And that's, that's where we struggle as coaches, because that's not acceptable in our eyes. But it's not reality. Uh, you, you can't be per the state championship teams have a weakness. It's just whether or not that's exploited at the right time. So, uh, you know, just when I'm going and, and picking up tidbits from other people or clinics or video clips or podcasts, I try to listen and 
if I can understand it and I feel like it applies to me, then I know it will translate to whatever program I'm associated with. Where I think we get in trouble is trying to apply things that are not applicable to what we're doing. And right. you know, we're all guilty of that, but it's because, you know, Mike Krzyzewski is, is a brilliant basketball mind, obviously. What he's doing at Duke may not apply to my high school girls team or my college girls team. Same thing with, with Coach Durden at Buford. It may not be a situation that I can put it in there. You know, the uh, Walnut Grove girls basketball team may be operating a little differently than what we are here at Barry College. So what we're doing or what you're doing may not translate and vice versa. Yeah. So figuring out those little tidbits, you know, kind of what you said, the two to three things and putting them together to, to make them apply to whatever your situation is. Yeah, that's a great point. Hey, Jared, hey, uh, uh, final point here. Kind of give, you've been coaching your 13th year, correct? Yes, sir. 13th year of coaching. Give a young coach starting out this year who's already started practicing, obviously, already. Give him some tidbits on what he or she can do to kind of get off to the right track because, hey, those first three games, you could be losing. Like, I mean – but tell us what some key key things they can do to keep a positive mindset in their first year. Well, that's probably easy for me to, to speak because of, of year 11 of my 13, you know, we, we had, we were coming off a one where the program was coming off a one win season. So we, we knew it was going to be a long year. Um, so we had to buy into that process type of feeling and instead of focusing on wins and losses, you, you can't control who's walking through your door. Uh, so the kids are who the kids are, your assistants. You know, a lot of smaller schools, they don't let you pick your assistants. You know, you, you, the community is what the community is. So you can't go get a five-star athlete. So stop, stop trying to make something that's not there. Um, so what we did at Shorter was instead of focusing on wins and losses, we kind of focused on closing the gaps, whatever our gap was. Um, can we get 10% better at something, 20% better at something, 30% better at something? And then what we realized was we tried to reach our potential and then the wins and losses kind of translated because of that. Whereas when early on in my career, I was worried about beating the other team and you know as well as I do, Kevin, some, sometimes those factors are out of your control. Right. Uh, it, it, you know, the ball may bounce a different – What your best shooter who shoots at 42% from three may not be able to throw it in the ocean when she's standing in a boat that night. Sure. Uh, however, if you play to whatever your program standards are – and that, that's my biggest thing that I want people to gather today is you may be 500 or you may be subpar or you may be a championship-level team – but if you are meeting your program standards, then you've done a successful job and you will also be supported by parents, administration. You know, we've, we've all got knuckleheads when you're dealing with someone's child. That's the that's the nature of the beast. Right. But if they if you, they know your program goals and you are producing a good person because of it, then I think they'll respect you for that, regardless of the wins and losses, because people understand you know, the six foot five player that's going to South Carolina, she, she's a really good basketball player and you don't have one of those. So I, I think, you know, going and understanding what we're truly all about is going to help young coaches. 
And man, I, it's, it's one of those wish I knew then what I know now type situations. Exactly. Uh, so I, I'm 35 now. So when I'm when I'm 55, I'm going to be yelling at this guy talking to you right now about all the things <laughs> I was doing. But uh, I have gotten a little older and wiser and just examining things as to did you succeed in your program? Because other people's I, what I always tell my kids is this and I'll, I'll close is the people that are in this huddle right now, this circle, they're the ones that matter. They know what you did in practice. They know whose responsibility it was. It's not the people sitting in the stands. The, the, loudest, the loudest people sit in the cheapest seats. They don't commit. They don't do the things it takes to be part of the program. They don't volunteer coach. They don't, um, you know, come to, it may be a player that doesn't come to practice. So the people that matter are the people that you're closest to in the locker room. And if, you, if you're doing right by them, I think you've had a successful season. That's a great point. And, uh, you know, but, but young coaches, though, they need to study. They need to find a mentor because you'll be a step ahead. That's the only thing. I, that's why I do the podcast is even after 30 years, man, I'm still learning from guys like you. We can all learn. It doesn't matter the age group, right? So we can all get better as coaches. And I think if you're a young coach, man, you should be studying your tail off. It's, it's very comical. I, like I said, I'm 35. Uh, my friends list, uh, other than basketball, is very short. Most of my people that I associate with have to do with basketball. And all of them, all of them minus probably one, are 15, 20 years older than me. So I, yeah. am, I am a sponge and trying my best to, to go with people that are older and wiser because that's, you know, that's, I guess, my parents, you know, never be the smartest person in the room. If you're the smartest person in the room, you're in the wrong room. You need to go exactly. somewhere else. Yeah. So, you know, just, just continuing to grow and, like I said, hanging out with people like you that are trying to grow the game and, and have done this for, uh, you know, twice the amount of years that I have and, and really just trying to, to keep, keep getting better every day, every year, um, every season. Well, I learned from you, my friend. So you you had, a matter of fact, I'm really looking at, um, I, I love how you're doing. Uh, I don't do a lot of quarter. Uh, I think the first quarter goals are really, I love that. I love your sweet 16. I love how that, I love the ring to that. Uh, even though, you know, we do a lot of good goals. I love that. Um, I, I actually love the five or 10 second goals. Because um, we're always emphasizing that, but those are little things like that I think can really add in, particularly early on in the game. Hey, Jared, uh, how can people get a hold of you, my friend? Uh, Kevin, I am on uh, Twitter is is a way that kind of basketball folks get a hold of everybody. Um, at Coach Hughes BC, that's for Barry College. At Coach Hughes H U G H E S B C. Uh, and then my email is uh, Jared J A R E D dot Hughes. 31 at gmail.com uh, and I am all for helping to grow the game and, and sharing resources uh, that's how you and I connected I wanted to steal one of your resources that we had we had talked about so um, you know it, it leads to, to great connections and great relationships so I, I'm all for anybody that wants to reach out to me and, and talk about a little bit more in depth about what we're uh, doing here at the college level that I think can translate pretty much anywhere you want to go. Jared, thank you so much for sharing, man. Episode 264, man. Hey, that, that's an honor, man. Yeah. 
have, I have been with you since the get-go, and my, my whole goal today was not to be number 264 of 264 as far as viewership. So if I can, if I can get 263 or above, we're counting it as a win. Man, it gets better as hey, the best people come on now in the two sixties, man. You know that. That's good stuff. That's good stuff. <laughs> I, I, I did my best. Thanks, brother. All right, thanks, coach. Appreciate it, man. At Dr. Dish Basketball, we're creating basketball shooting machines that accelerate player performance. With features like on-demand workouts, multiplayer stat tracking, and instant analytics, Dr. Dish Basketball is the number one source for basketball training. Whether you're training in your driveway, running a practice, or developing a workout program, we have the most innovative training solutions to help your players practice like they play. And just for listening to this podcast, you qualify for an exclusive discount. Just mention Championship Vision Podcast to your sales rep when you call in. For more information, visit drdishbasketball.com or call 952-873-2633. Again, that number is 952-873-2633. And remember, be better every day. Dr. Dish Basketball's Virtual Camp 2.0 is now live. Our camp features drills and workouts from pro players, coaches, and trainers like Byron Scott, Quincy Pondexter, and four-time WNBA champ Lindsey Whalen. And though we're known for our shooting machines, the camp also features ball handling, agility, and conditioning drills to help athletes of all ages round out their game. A shooting machine is not required for this camp, but if you own or have access to a Dr. Dish CT or Dr. Dish Home, you can follow along with our pre-built program and track your progress and your stats. Sign up today to gain access to the Virtual Camp 2.0 featured drills and workouts by visiting drdishbasketball.com slash virtualcamp2021. That's drdishbasketball.com slash virtual-camp-2021. This is Mike May, creator and owner of Practice Planner Live Software. I'm excited about partnering with Kevin Furtado and Championship Vision Podcasts. We share a common passion of helping basketball coaches be more effective in their profession. With over 26 years of basketball coaching experience, I created Practice Planner Live with the purpose of saving coaches valuable time in creating efficient and effective practice plans. John Wooden once said, if you fail to prepare, you prepare to fail. Practice Planner Live can take your practice planning to a whole nother level with tools and functionality that will maximize your team's ability to reach their potential.